I, I maybe I did play it just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative in your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. Because you love Valenti. Like, remember, you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Ooh, welcome back to 88.3 WXUTs after further review. I'm here with Frank Vashner and Chris Schultz. Is actually on the phone lines from Friday Night Victors. Chris, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. You guys are fading in and out a little bit, but I think I can work my way through this. Yeah, as long as you can actually just hear us and hear the questions that we're asking you, you're fine on that end. Uh, At the old studio, we couldn't really... We figured it out where you can actually hear us. Like, your part is fine. It was just our part trying to communicate with you that was kind of messed up. But other than that, we think we've kind of figured it out. And it's a new day and a new studio. And you're the first to actually call in on the phone line since the new board has been installed at the old studio in this one. So, uh, congratulations. All right. I feel honored. Yes. Yeah, feel really, really yeah. honored. So, Chris, you're going to be here talking to Frank Vashner about Southeastern Michigan football. I know you got till noon, so you got uh, 23 minutes, I guess, to do a preview or whatever you guys are going to be doing on 16 teams in the area. Yeah. What we're basically going to be doing is the uh, basically the biggest question I have facing each of the teams on our blog. And who knows where it'll go from there. Something we're true. We're doing a little different. Last year we did the buy or sell. So now we're doing – and. Questions face each team, so we'll get started at the beginning of the alphabet with the airport Jets. I mean, obviously, Chris, there's been a lot of hype around them. Um, third year start, third year starting quarterback Cooper Nye, a lot of good running backs, receivers. I mean, you and I both saw them at their scrimmage at Carlson and how good their offense looks. But my question is, how good does airport's defense need to be in order to get over the hump in the Huron League? Because that's really been their Achilles heel Hill in recent years. Their offense could move the ball, but defense was always a problem for them. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be very important for them to be better defensively this year. Uh, I believe they gave up about 28 points per game last year, uh, but you know, if you take away the shutout over Flat Rock and then they gave up seven to Grozeal, the other seven games they gave up 34 points a game. With that said, they can really score. Uh, so I think they could probably outscore some some teams. But, you know, the good news for them is, is they do have nine starters back on defense, including the entire front seven. Uh, they were a very young team last year, uh, played a lot of sophomores, uh, they've got three or four guys on that defense that uh, will be in their third year. 
of varsity football. So I do think they'll be better defensively. And, and that's one of the reasons I am really, really high on the Jets. I think they're going to, I think they're going to have a very good for the Heron League uh, title. Yeah. Well, I will say that first game for them is against my alma mater, Ida. That should be a really good test for them. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And, and quite frankly, I think that's a game that airport has to win. Uh, they they got to get out of the gate one and zero oh, because the Huron League's just a buzzsaw. It's it's really tough league to play in, and obviously Ida's a very good team uh, every year. So uh, I think they need to win that game right away. I don't I don't want to say it's a must win, you know, but I, I think that's one they they're going to want to get, uh, you know, obviously. Yeah. So now we'll move on to where I'm on staff for basketball. So announcing volleyball and maybe a couple other sports too. Who, that's Bedford. And now it seems like there's a lot of hype around Bedford, too, who I saw where they were projected to finish second in the SEC red. But, I mean, do you think Bedford has what it takes to be a top-two team up there with the Celine and Ann Arbor Hurons of the world? I know Gary Hoff is really high on Dexter, even though they were only a 500 team last year. But do you think Bedford has what it takes to be in that top-two despite losing starting quarterback to a knee injury? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. They they finished third last year behind Celine and uh, Huron. Uh, but I, I think they have enough. They have, you know, what, three returning offensive linemen. They've yes. got a good running back coming back. Uh, I, I do agree with Gary that Dexter is going to be really good. So uh, can they be a top two team in the SEC red? Yeah, I think so. Do I do I see them finishing there? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't I don't think so, especially losing their quarterback. But I do know that Bedford's a very hard team to play against because of the offense they run. So uh, fear the veer. You know, and they always have. Yeah, they always have talent, and they're coached well, so they're going to compete. So I don't I don't see that. Yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity there for them to finish up top. But I do think Celine is the class of the league. Yeah, uh, once again, especially with uh, C.J. Cart quarterback for Celine, he is going to Notre Dame to play for Marcus Freeman. So now we'll move to another team that they seem to have the big disrespect mantra. They made, I think, all three of us eat crow last year, and that's Gibraltar Carlson. I mean, you probably got a better look at them in their scrimmages. I was uh, officiating at the opposite end of the field. Well, then I know they shared the Downriver League last year, but. The boogeyman for them they just couldn't get past was Allen Park. They played him twice, lost both times, but thanks to Woodhaven beating Allen Park and Carlson beating Woodhaven, that's how they really get to share the downer league. Does Carlson have what it takes to finally slay the dragon that is Allen Park? Uh, gosh, that's a great question. I, I don't know if they do. I thought they looked good the other day, but... You know, Allen Park is just a traditional power. They they very rarely have poor seasons. They've just, you know, they reload. It doesn't matter who their coach is. Uh, they just reload. You know, losing to Allen Park twice, you know, obviously one was in the playoffs. But the fact that a Woodhaven program shows you how good or how far along Carlson's program has come. Uh, do I think they have what it takes this year? Uh, over Allen Park, I don't. I just, I just think the Jags will be too tough. I think Woodhaven's going to be there again, but I do think Carlson finishes in the top three in the Downriver League. 
I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I think they, Carlson can beat Woodhaven. Allen Park's a different animal, but then again, this is the same Carlson that made me eat a lot of crow last year, so only time will tell. I did say in my schedule analysis series that the Marauders should have that Week 3 game against Allen Park circled. That is a number one most important game on the schedule. So then we'll move on to Dundee, where I previously spent some time at, and I wrote that that they had a lot, a lot of guys back. Offensively, they got some nice skill players back, but defense, they got some talent back. Heck, you might have seen the name Trent Vagner. Yes, that's my cousin. But I think the ace that Coach Steve Ayer has up his sleeve was getting Jeremy Fielder, former Clinton head coach, who got them to a final in, I believe it was 2020, he, as his defensive coordinator. And do you think that that is – how do how – how big of a leap do you think Dundee's defense can take under Fielder? He's someone who is, when I've spoken to players, they said he's pretty much just sim- simplified everything, just keep it simple, make your play. Yeah, I don't, I I, I guess they could be better than they were last year. You know, they finished 6-5 last year, and uh, they didn't they didn't score a lot of points. I, I think... I think they need to score more. I think if their defense can remain what it was, you know, I think I think they'll be okay. But they have a very very tough schedule playing in the you know the LCAA, and then they also what they got is it Madison on the schedule, and then yeah, week one. who's gonna you know Clarenceville's gonna score some points. Although I don't think Clarenceville's as good as they've been. You know, uh, he wasn't. Uh, What'd you say his name was again? I, I'm losing my train of thought here. The defensive uh, coordinator, Jeremy Fielder. He used to be yeah, that. Jeremy Fielder. Yeah, head coach at Clinton. You know they weren't they weren't great defensive teams when they were at Clinton. They were offensive powerhouses. So, uh, do I think he'll have a positive effect? Yes. Anytime you can bring a head coach in to to be a coordinator, and you know, not only from an X's and O standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, and a guy who's won a ton of games. Uh, I think it'll help, but I, I really think their off if their offense can score a little bit more, um, I, I think you know Dundee will will be in a better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have some nice skill players coming back, a lot of good receivers, a couple good running backs too. I think it's really a question of who gets the starting quarterback job. I mean, Ryan Zanger, sophomore, started for them. Him a little bit towards the end of the year when Carson Irwin got injured, so he's got the experience. But there's probably a couple other guys who could be in the mix. Who knows? We'll we'll see week one what happens. Now we'll shift to Erie Mason and back to back playoff appearances. And last year their quarterback will end up being Vaughn Brown had to step in for Noah Boudry, big shoes to fill, and actually did fairly well. Hell had a decent season through ten touchdown passes, could run. But I mean, I read in the Monroe paper that uh, it seems to say that he ha- he's got to take a step forward. But how big of a step can Vaughn Brown take as QB one for the Eagles? I'm not saying he has to be Noah Boudry good, but how how big of a step can he take? And will it be enough to put Erie Mason in the conversation at the top of the Tri County Conference? You know, I I think he'll take a step up. He like you you mentioned the the ten. 10- touchdowns that he threw for uh i think he had 14 1500 you know total yards between running the ball and and passing the ball 
he does not need to have Noah Boudry numbers. Those those are you know that's kind of legendary stuff that he had. Uh, at least in Monroe County, it is. Uh, you know, I, I I think he can raise those numbers. I, I think he could probably be more towards fifteen touchdown passes and and maybe get those overall numbers between the two up to two thousand total yards between you know rushing and passing and and. If he can do that, I think it's enough for the the Eagles to be super competitive. Absolutely, I agree. And plus, I'll get a look at uh, Erie Mason Week One when they play Saranac at Olivet College. I'll be officiating that game. <laughs> so now we'll move on to your alma mater, the Mighty Rams of Flat Rock. And this has been a team. I mean, 2017, the mantra was find a way, and they did. They got to the playoffs, won seven games. And since then, it's been a rough go for Buckram and company. But, I mean, the preview I believe you wrote, they've got a lot of good players back on offense. I think there's a quartet that I think is going to be key, and that's their quarterback, Graham Young, he only a sophomore. I mean, I've seen what he can do on the basketball court. Joey Godfrey, their running back, he's kind of he's kind of that between the tackles running. And then they got two nice receivers with Corey Lannon and Aaron Salazar. But I want to know, like, which one of those four, Youngie, Godfrey, Lannon, or Salazar, has the best chance to be Offensive Player of the Year? Because I think any one of those four has a shot. Yeah, I think it. Uh, well, first, let me say it's going to come down to their their offensive line. They uh, graduated a lot there, and they're very young. I saw them in their scrimmage. Uh, they struggled a bit. But uh, I think from the skill players, it's going to be their quarterback, Graham Youngie. Uh, he is something. And if you've seen him play basketball, you can tell on the court. He's just, he is that good. He's one of the best young high school basketball players I've ever really seen, at least around these parts. But you can see that kind of come out on the field. He has a presence about him. He throws a good ball. He doesn't get, he doesn't get rattled. Uh, at least from what I, I saw in the scrimmage uh, while he's out there. And then, you know, obviously I saw him. Well, I think he could be a real breakout guy. I just don't know, you know, how much you're going to be able to do because their their line is so young. And then, they, of course, they play in the Huron League, which is just a buzzsaw. Yeah. We'll, we'll stay in the Huron League. We'll go island hopping next. Grow Seal now. I have to see Grosseal in their scrimmage at Lincoln Park as I officiated. I got to talk to head coach John Bodner for a second. But I mean it seems I mean it seems like the Grosseals has been one of those quirky teams. Even numbered years always seem to be their year to have success. Uh, so this is an even numbered year, but I think you've mentioned it before, or that they don't have great numbers, and I kind of saw that at the scrimmage. Is depth going to catch up with Grosseal this year? Uh, yeah, I think it probably will. I I don't know the exact numbers, but I think they have under under twenty guys. But you know, they always have talent. They have a a very very good coach and job Bonner. He he. I don't think anyone quarterback of a fever. Uh, but I think that's. I, Hey, Chris, come again. We're losing you. Chris, you, can you hear us? 
Yeah, Chris is there. His phone is going out. Yeah, Chris, your your phone's cutting out, man. Hey, yeah. Chris. Yeah, go, go back to – jump back to Gross Seal again. Yeah, uh, your your phone, phone was cutting, cutting out. It's me? Yeah. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah that's better. Good. Yeah, we can hear you now. I haven't moved. So, uh, yeah, they have less than 20. They have a very good quarterback. They have a, a very good receiver. They will compete in the game, you know, what what happens as far as, you know, only being able to rotate in a handful of players into the game. Yeah. So now we head to the banks of the mighty Huron River, and that's the new Boston Huron Chiefs. Obviously, they have a new coach, Tom Hoover, Hall of Fame coach, used to be at Allen Park, had a ton of success there. there. And he's got some nice talent coming back, but big name they lost was Isaac Smith. And what I want to know is, is there a player or players, plural, who can actually make up for the loss of, of Isaac Smith? I know his little brother Mike is on the team, but I think Micah is not his big brother. Her and, her and I don't mean I don't mean to say that uh, in a bad way. It's just that's uh, uh, just kind of what I the perception I get. But who do you think is going to be somebody who? Kind of makes fans say, you know, we lost a good player in Isaac Smith, but we're in good hands now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can replace an Isaac Smith. He's one of the best football players ever to come through New Boston. Here on, uh, he was just so dynamic in, in in so many different ways, whether it's you know throwing, running, or catching the ball, or playing defense. But with that said, uh, their best player over there is a Central Michigan commit, and that is defensive end tight end Rory Callahan. And, uh, you know, he'll be about as good a player as you will find in the Huron League. I, I think it'll be hard to find anybody better than him. Uh, I'm assuming teams will run away from him. Uh, at the scrimmage I saw, they threw a lot of passes to him, so he's a big target, about 6'4 or so. Uh, so, you know, as far as replacing Isaac, you can't, but Rory Callahan is, is certainly a difference maker for the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, Huron, I think, was one of the more snake-bit teams at the beginning of the year. They lost some close games. They had battle injuries. He's So, hopefully they won't have some of the same bad luck at the beginning of the year because I think they were probably a lot better than what their record showed. So now we'll move on to my alma mater, Ida. Now, Ida has a senior quarterback returning, Nate Miller, third-year starter. And they also return Kirby Karsten, who didn't play last year here due to a knee injury. But when he played as a sophomore, he really made a nice impact when Ida had to throw the ball. Now, of course, anyone who follows Ida football knows they don't throw it. They run the full house tee. But I believe it was Jeff Potter who mentioned that they could open things up a little bit more, or they're not. I don't think they're going to be like a Texas Tech and be pass happy. But I think, do they need to? T- does Ida need to take to the air more since you have a senior quarterback and a big target in Kirby Karsten? Plus, you got that two-headed monster in the backfield who I call Thunder and Lightning with Luke Levicki and Jane Janino. Can that really just make your take your offense to another level? Well, I, I think you just answered the question. Uh, I, I don't 
think they need to take to the air more. I, I think between their two running backs that they have, uh, I think you'll see them run the ball. But but why wouldn't you throw a little bit more if you've got a good quarterback and a, and a, and a big target? I think they'll just be opportunistic and take what defenses give them. If they throw the ball seven or eight times per game, I think that'll be about as much as you see from uh, the streaks. Well, I mean, the main reason why I say it is because that that first four-week stretch for Ida is downright murderous. I mean, airport's going to be a tough one. Well, and we mentioned that already. Then they got to play Whiteford, who was a semifinalist in Division Eight, who really beat up on the Blue Streaks last year. And, of course, Ida also turned it over way too many times. Clinton ended up getting the last laugh with a win in the playoffs, even though I'd have beat them in the regular season. And then Hudson is the defending Division Eight state champion, and who, of course, in the, the only positive for Ida is they actually kept their off Hudson's offense in check, held them to only twenty two points, which was their lowest total. So I think maybe I was thinking that Ida was going to have to be a little bit more aggressive in those games as. A wise man once said, "You play to win the game." So I think, I true, I tr- Chris really, I true. I'm just really bullish on Ida. I mean, look, I know I'm a blue streak, and I want them to be successful. But I, th- I think that really, if they can get through that first four game stretch with, with one or no losses, there could be something special there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do, do I think that'll? I think they're just shooting for two and two yeah. uh, in those first four games. I mean, that's just my thoughts. And, and, and two, if they can go two and two, I think they'd be a four-game stretch to open the year. Yeah, and then, of course, the back half, it's not as daunting aside from the backyard brawl against Dundee, which, please, LCAA scheduling powers, let's keep that game in week nine every year. That's just my wish. So now we'll shift to another team, new coach, and that's Jefferson. Eric Tipton, member of the 94 state championship team. Really, I think I think what Jefferson needs is a, a talented player who's going to lead them back to respectable. Now, who do you think that that one player could be? I have, I think it's going to be Caden uh, Pridemore. Do you think that there could be somebody else that could be an impact player for Jefferson? I, you know, I think he's the guy, but, you know, I think the key for Jefferson is I, I believe they got 30 practicing at the varsity level. Uh, I think it just needs to be a team approach there. You know, do the little things. Football really comes down to blocking and tackling, right? That's the two most important things. And if, if the Bears can get back to that type of football, which they've, you know, they've done really well for about a 30-year span and they've been down maybe the, the last decade, but if they can get back to doing those things well, uh, you know, I think they'll be respectable. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we can at least mention the Bears. And we're not talking about the Chicago Bears. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> right. So now we'll stay in the Huron League again and go to those big reds of Milan. Now, they, lo- they lost a lot of talent. Cole McIlvaney, their quarterback, he's now at Eastern Michigan. But there's... Still a lot of good players there. And downhill Bill, Billy Gaskell, who I've talked I've talked several times with Cole about. He thinks he's gonna be he the star of Milan's offense, a running back. But I wanna know, beside besides downhill Bill, 
Who else emerges as an impact player for the Big Reds on offense? I, I think uh, here's a name you need to remember. Uh, Jesse Hopkins has a habit of bringing up freshmen. And last year he brought up a freshman by the name of Ronnie Johnson. Ah, yes. Uh, he's a running back, running back, defensive back. Look for him to have a breakout year, his sophomore year. Uh, Jesse only brings kids up if they can contribute, and he was able to contribute as a freshman, and I think you see him uh, be the focus for the Big Reds this year. Yeah. Cole actually mentioned that to me in a conversation I had with him a while back, so I'm looking for Ronnie Johnson. I think also Connor DeSellier, a big wide receiver, Carson Bowers, another player on offense. And Milan's got three-fifths of their offensive line back. Uh, Flannery Wayne is somebody who has really said, hey, we've, hey, we, our line's really strong, and he've, he really loves our work too. So, And now we shift to Monroe, the Trojans. Brand-new field, brand-new head coach, Dave Mifsud. He's brought, and of course, we've talked about how he's brought in Jack Giarmo, former SMCC and Carlson coach. He's got a state championship ring and trying to at least get a winning culture put in place there. And I mean, I've talked with uh, Jody McCollum, the defensive coordinator, several times, and he's raved about how much of an impact Jack makes. But I'm kind of sticking to defense here because, again, Jody and I talk quite a bit. And the one guy he always talks about is Braylon Richards, who on the defense. And he says that he's going to uh, be the guy out there. But I, th- I want to know is is B. Rich the secret to the sauce for the Trojans' defense playing well? Yeah, I think I think that's uh, probably a, an accurate assumption. That along with 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 the coaching staff they've assembled over there at Monroe, but you know. Uh, B. Rich is a guy who I believe played a little bit as a freshman uh, at Monroe and then certainly was a difference maker last year for them, for the Trojans. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're going to need him to, to have a big year. And uh, I, I'm sure with the staff they have at Monroe, they're going to coach him up and, and the Trojans will be competitive. And Richards uh, has, will have a lot to do with that. Yeah, because, I mean, Monroe did lose a – Quite a bit of talent on offense. They've got some guys back, so, but I but I think with uh, Mifsa there, obviously with Giarmo there, those guys are going to probably squeeze every last drop and then some out of those kids. So now we move. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, now we move on to the team that has ruled the barnyard in the Huron League, and that's the Riverview Pirates. And I think everyone they're dropping down to Division Four this year, and a lot of people still expect them to contend. But my question is, who becomes the leader of the Pirate defense after the graduation of Defensive Player of the Year, Cal Lockhart? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, they only turn they only return three starters on defense and, and well three on offense as well. And normally I wouldn't say someone who plays on the defensive line, but defensive tackle uh Gabe Landsgroner, hopefully I said that last name right. Uh, he was a really, really good player for them last year. And uh, I think he will step up and, and, and lead their defense. You know, somebody by maybe like uh, Jacob Shank, who was a defensive back. And, I, you know, I don't know if he'll play a little bit of linebacker this year or not. But, you know, they have a lot of returning letter winners there. So they're just going to reload. But I think, I think Gabe 
Yeah. I mean, my my thought is it was probably going to be somebody like Cal's little brother, Max Lockhart. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I, I, yeah. Do a couple of times. Time running the ball. And Lance Groner. So, uh, probably be, you know, defense by committee. You know, Lockhart last year was he could dominate from his position, uh, but I'll go with I'll go with Gabe in this situation. Yeah, and now we head to uh, the friendly confines of Navarre Field for SMCC, and of course, Gary wrote their preview. They don't have a ton of starters coming back, but there's a lot of depth there. Thirty-seven players, and what I don't know is. Is quantity going to translate to quality for the Falcons? Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, the thing you always get with SMCC is it doesn't matter if they've got 20 guys or 40 guys. have always played a lot of football. And so the fact that they've got 37 of them to choose from, uh, I think they will be very good yet again. It doesn't matter if they're inexperienced. Uh, you know, they'll get better as the season goes on, but I, I expect big things from the Falcons. It does help when you, you have probably one of the best running backs around and one of the fastest guys, uh, you know, football guys around in, uh, Cole Jondro. Uh, you know, he placed in a couple of events at the Division Three state meet in 100 and 200 meters. So with a guy like that and all that depth, I, I think they're going to have a really good season. So yes, I think it translates. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'd say also, watch out for uh, Drew Harris coming out of the SMCC backfield. I know he was on a couple of speed relays with John Drone Track. And also, my guy to keep an eye on is Nolan Moore, tight end defensive end. He battled a ton of injuries last year, but when he's healthy, I think he's really going to make significant impact for SMCC. And now we'll shift to Summerfield. And this is... And of course, my schedule analysis series I did, their schedule is kind of a mixed bag, at least as a non-conference. But there's a couple of good teams on there. Obviously, Battle of US 23 with Ottawa Lake Whiteford. But they also have a non-conference game against Fowler, who has been a perennial playoff team, team in, over the years. What I want to know is, what's a more important game for Summerfield's playoff hopes? Beating Whiteford or getting a win against oh. Fowler? Game. And the only. I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I didn't hear, quite hear your answer. Whiteford. So uh, I, th- I think more important would be, you know, Fowler. How much further do you have, Frank? All right. We just got one, one last question. And speaking of Whiteford, new era for the Bobcats. I know they're coming off of a semifinal appearance where they came within a whisker of getting to Ford Field. Well, Jason Mensing, he's gone to Westland, John Glenn. Taking over for him is Todd Teakin, who was the defensive coordinator. Very well respected as an assistant coach, and I talked to a few players and one assistant coach, and they they said the play, that they really love Teakin. But do you think there's going to be a drop-off from Mensing to Teakin, if any at all, or is that just really a nothing burger? That's a nothing burger. I don't think there'll be a drop-off at all. 
And it's not to say that Jason Mensing is not a great coach, and and it's safe to assume that he's because of his experience, he's probably a better coach at this point uh, than than Teakin. But it's the fact that uh, Whiteford has a lot of players back. You know, they're just you know they have virtually everybody back. You know, take away all stater Noah Bauman, and and then what was it? Uh, Cole Gisagi. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, every, everybody else is back, so I don't expect a drop-off at all. You know, if there's going to be any, it, it would be down the road to see if, if the new coach can create the same excitement, you know, two, three, four years from now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Whiteford's got a pretty tough schedule, too. They open with Blissfield, who was down last year, but they're, I think they might be somewhat better. Week 2 contest against uh, my Blue Streaks. I think that's going to be, that's a big one. Plus, they've also got Detroit Loyola coming to the woods, and get your popcorn ready for that one. Yeah, that'll be an exciting game. Yeah, so obviously, week one coming up next week, Thursday and Friday. Uh, hey, uh, Chris, how about giving our listeners a little uh, sneak preview? Our uh, game of the week for week one, I think I have an idea of what it's going to be, but I'll let you make that announcement. Yeah, the uh, the game of the week for for Friday Night Victors dot com is going to be the SMCC Falcons Warren Michigan Collegiate, a matchup of two state ranked powers, one in Division Six and one in Division Seven. So what? Yeah, with all the other games as well. Yeah, and I I mean I'm I'm looking forward to that one, even though I'm going to be at Olivet officiating. But I think the one storyline I did mention in my schedule analysis with SMCC was uh, the infamous uh, bulletin board material that the collegiate's coach had out said that they had to break the tee. And, of course, we all know what happened after that. Yeah, and I think that was a situation where you know SMCC just had a better team than them, and it did. A little yeah. different this time around. Collegiate's got a very, very good team. However, I do think that Bishop Foley and Madison Heights and beat the Cougars of Michigan Collegiate in a close game. Yeah, we will see. So, And plus, I'll actually be at a airport at Ida that Thursday night covering that one. So, any fans there, look for me. I'll be tweeting some updates, and I'm looking forward to a great game between two good schools. I'd say right now that one's a toss-up. I'll obviously have... I'll probably have a pick when it's time to do our video picks next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris, so much for calling in from Friday Night Victors. And I know for Michigan, you guys start next week, right? Because Ohio started this week. Yeah, we're starting on Thursday. You got a lot of games on Thursday and then games on Friday. And we're ready to get this thing rolling. Great time of the year. Guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. Everyone, if you tune in to to FridayNightVictors.com or... Yeah, we'll end up having our video picks coming up uh, this week with three of us. And then we'll also have game picks and stay tuned for other great content. Chris, you still there? I know your phone went out. Yeah, I, think he, I think we lost him. Huh? No, he's still there on the line, I think. Yeah, but me, I'm losing but here and there. So have a good one. All right, you too, Chris. Thanks. Thanks. All right, that was Chris Schultz there from Friday Night Victors here on 88.3 WTs. 
after further review. Uh, kind of went over a little bit, and obviously probably because of some of the um, yeah technical issues on his end, but it actually worked out. Well, yeah. So we're going to have David the Man of God Harris call in. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on it? I know Chris gave his thoughts, but just the the, the meat and potatoes here, Frank. You got about two or three minutes. I like mean, Ida. I mean, know, I Dundee, feel. I, well, I mean, Bedford. I've said I've said Ida. They get through they get through that first four week stretch where you've got a uh, airport Whiteford at home, Clinton and Hudson on the road. They get through with less than two losses. They might have something special, but it's really going to come down to offensive line play for them because they have pretty much all new lines. And then Dundee, I like that they have Jeremy Fielder as their defensive coordinator. They got some, they got a lot of guys back in the trenches, including my cousin Trent, who's going to be one of the guys to watch there. Quarterback, I'm curious to see who gets it, if it's going to be Ryan Zanger or somebody else. I've heard Drew Bolster's name thrown around. He's back to playing football after a couple of years. So hopefully he can be a contributor as well. Bedford, heard, I mean, they're playing in a tough conference. And hopefully they can be a top two team. And I'd like to see them swat Celine. Oh, okay. Why is that? Swat Celine. Why? Because Celine is considered a big rival. Is Polka still there? Um, Joe is Joe Palka. Yeah, he's still there, and actually, his son Tyler is uh, on staff as well. Oh, okay, wow. All right, so that was a good preview there for you. Make sure we'll have it up and post it on eighty-eight point three WGTs after further review on SoundCloud and on Apple iTunes. Uh, once again, thanks to Chris Schultz from Friday Night Victors. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we return, we've got more after further review. David the Man and God Harris is right around the corner. And the phone lines actually work in the studio. Also, make sure you go to After Further Reviews Facebook page where, excuse me, you can actually watch the show as I like the new studio here. We'll have more here on 88.3 WGTs After Further Review after this.